the wall at Jericho was an impenetrable force to anyone attempting to overtake the city. But before the attacking army got to the wall, they first had to navigate their way around a 29-foot wide, 9-foot deep pit that surrounded the city on every side. And after they were managed to get past that, there's the wall itself. 20, no, 17 foot high, five foot thick, pure mass of solid stone. If they were able to get past this without first getting shot down by archers, the only thing that was left was to defeat the well-trained, well-prepared, well-stocked, well-rested Canaanite army that waited on the other side. This was a frightening reality for a young leader named Joshua and his ragtag Israelite army. Now, these Israelites had seen an entire generation live and die while wandering through the desert. They were tired, they were hungry, and they were facing what seemed like an impossible task. A hopeless situation. Now I haven't lived very long, but I've lived long enough to know this, that running in the walls is a part of life. And the larger the wall, the more hopeless the situation can seem. The large walls of sickness, loss, divorce, addiction, they pop, us, pop up all around us. And just like the walls at Jericho, these walls rarely stand alone. These, the walls of life are typically surrounded by a deep pit of pain, suffering, and despair, and all while an army of hopelessness attacks us from every side. Now the question is asked all the time, if God is so powerful and he loves us so much, then why does he allow these walls to show up? Now, I'm not going to pretend like I know the answer to these questions, nor am I going to pretend that I know just how deep and dark your suffering has been. All I want to suggest is maybe, just maybe, God does his best work from seemingly hopeless, hopeless, situations. When I read the Bible, I read about people and characters, all who faced hopeless situations. In fact, I can't find a single person who didn't walk faithfully with God without first going through a hopeless situation. Adam and Eve ruined paradise by inviting sin and death into a perfect world hopeless case. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers for his pride and thrown in prison. Hopeless case. Moses was cornered on the banks of the Red Sea with the most powerful army in the world, breathing down his neck. A hopeless case. Gideon was 300 against 300,000. David stood across the valley from a bloodthirsty giant. Esther was a woman trying to gain a word with a prideful king. 
Daniel's roommate was a lion. His friends were thrown in an oven. Jonah sucked at his job and got stuck in a whale. Peter was a coward. Paul was in prison. The 5,000 had no food. Lazarus was dead. Abraham was too old. The youngest son was too stupid. The walls of Jericho were too strong. And Jesus was humiliated, hung on a cross, and buried in a tomb, bearing all hope of a revolution that was hoped for for thousands of years. Now, most people would just close the book on these stories. Game over, the end, that's it. But if there's one thing we learn from the scriptures is that we can never place a period where God has placed a comma. Because when all other options have been worn out, when everything else has failed, when there seems to be no end in sight, get ready. Because that is exactly where God shows up. Because Joseph became second in command. The Red Sea parted. Gideon won without lifting a weapon. Goliath's head was on a plate. Esther spoke and the king listened. Daniel tamed the lion. The oven felt like room temperature. Nineveh repented. Peter became the rock. Paul rejoiced. Twelve basketfuls were left over. Lazarus was just kidding. Timothy built a church. Abraham built a family. The youngest son came home to a party. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. And Jesus Christ resurrected and fleeing sin and death and marked, this, and marked the revolution that had been hoped for for so many years ago. So many years. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop with the scriptures. It didn't stop with the people in the stories. God has placed a comma in all of our lives. Honestly, I don't think I can say it any better than it's already been said. So I'm not going to say a whole lot this morning. Read one passage of scripture. Because I think we all have a testimony. You have a testimony, I have a testimony. You've heard testimonies up here this morning. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And the scripture talks about how one of the ways we overcome the world is through the power of our testimony. It says that in Revelation. To stand out, to stand up, to speak out for Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you know, people watch your life. They look to see if you're really living what you say you believe. And I certainly want my testimony to be a good testimony. Bible study, Wednesday night, one of the mothers that was there shared about her, I think he's 10 or 11, Gavin, is he 10 or 11? 10? In his class, they have reading time. And Gavin decided to bring his Bible to open reading time. So every time there's free reading, Gavin's got his Bible out and reading it. He's done that for three or four weeks now, Rebecca? Three or four weeks. Now his teacher, I think she's a Christian, I understand that she is, and said that's fine, but she would like for maybe to read a few other things too. 
But what has happened is it's caused the kids of his class to look at Gavin and watch Gavin. And now a little girl that sits near him brings her Bible to open reading time. You see, that's the power of a positive testimony. That's the power of reflecting Christ in those moments, of being aware. Jesus says in Matthew this. I think these are testimony words. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men put a lamp under a bowl, but instead they put it on, the, on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the room. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. That's what a testimony is about, isn't it? We create an influence when we share the love of Jesus. We create a thirst in people's lives when we share the love of Jesus. We can bring healing. That's part of what salt does bring healing to people's lives, we proclaim the love of Jesus. We can enlighten their hearts to who Jesus is. All of us have a story. All of us have been broken and wounded and twisted by our world. And all of us know what that feels like in here. You know the tears you've cried. You know the questions you've asked, the whys. You've known the times you've wept and asked God what's going on. But you can also testify to those moments where he spoke to you through his word, how it encouraged you. Where he spoke to you through a brother or sister and it challenged you. Where you stepped into the struggle instead of avoided it and God gave you the strength to overcome. Where you discovered his power is made perfect in your weaknesses we discovered that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what these brothers and sisters shared with us this morning. The places they've walked, the wounds that they've felt, the brokenness that they've had in their lives. But they've also shared the victory they have in Jesus Christ. When you go out of here today, you go back into your world of, I don't know what you go to, your jobs, people you got to deal with, family members you can't get along with. But go knowing that Jesus Christ is in you and he gives you the strength to overcome. He gives you the wisdom in the moment. He gives you his power to stand strong. He gives you his peace that passes all understanding. And you can do it through him and not in your own strength. And when you stand up and do it through him, you have the power of a testimony. Because somebody's going to say to you, why didn't you get mad at that jerk when he got mad at you? Why didn't you respond with sarcasm when he was sarcastic towards you? You can say, because Jesus came into my life. He changed my heart. He changed my direction. And he changed my mouth. Amen? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for what you've talked to us about today. Lord, I pray as we leave here today, we'll go out being salt in a world, Lord, that needs your flavoring. That you help us, Lord, to let our little light shine and not let Satan blow it out. 
that, Father, you'll give us the insight and wisdom and help us to tap into the power of your Spirit in our lives to be more than